welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm thrilled you could join us today. We're going to have a really interesting conversation like we always do on our True Talk Radio. And today we are going to be talking with a wife who is caring for her husband with frontal temporal behavioral variant. But before I introduce you to, to our guest, I always like to welcome our new listeners. So I'm Lori LeBay. I am the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. And I'm also a daughter whose mother lived with dementia for 30 years. Yep, you heard me right, 30 years. And what we like to do here is to raise everyone's voice all around the world. So maybe, just maybe you can be our next guest. Um, just reach out to me at radio at Alzheimer's Speaks. And if you liked our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band. Now, we just updated our website, so please go check out alzheimerspeaks.com. We have one full page of a ton of different free resources for you to access very easily. Please go to alzheimerspeaks.com, and you can find information there. Also, we have a um, public events section, and there you will see listed uh, Arthur's Memory Cafe, which is held the second and the fourth Wednesday of each month. It is virtual, so anybody in the world can join us. We meet at 1 o'clock Central Time, so that's 2 Eastern, uh, noon uh, Mountain Time, and 11 a.m. Pacific. And also, once a month, I work with Brookdale North Oaks and the uh, Shoreview Community Center. We do an in-person caregiver connect that also has respite care for your loved one. And that is the last Wednesday of each month at 10 a.m. Central. Also want to give a shout out to Dementia Map, of course, which is our global resource directory that has over 150 categories that you can search, events you can attend, um, information on our glossary and blog, and so much more. And let me see, we also have under our... Um, free public events, a couple of events that are coming up. One is Realities of Dementia, a family-friendly tools and tips that is sponsored by Artist Senior Living. That will be held Tuesday, September 20th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can register by going to theartistway.com forward slash webinar, theartistway.com forward slash webinar. And then on October 31st, I'll be in Minnetonka, Minnesota. We're going to do a free screening of a timeless love with a talk back. And if you're interested in more information, you can, again, just feel free to reach out to me on that. 
We are going to hear from the adaptive equipment and caregiving corner, and then we'll be right back with our guest. I love the footbar walker, and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest. There are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. Well, welcome back. Again, we're going to be talking with Deborah Snyder, who is going to share her journey caring for her husband with FTD, uh, known as frontal temporal lobe dementia with also a behavioral variant. Now, Deborah is presently uh, the care partner to her husband, who is experiencing frontal temporal dementia with behavioral variants. And you know, she's going to tell us a little bit more about what is that and how is that different. Um, her background is she's always been big in community service and she has, um, and that has really helped her learn about dementia. Most recently, she worked with the Aging and Disabilities Resource Center in Delta Junction in Alaska. And prior to that, she worked at a number of nonprofit organizations up until uh, 2021, where she worked for AmeriCorps Senior Companion Program. She was also an elementary, she was also in elementary education for 30 years. So welcome, Deborah. Zoom. Well, Deborah, I am thrilled to have you uh, with us today, because this is such an important topic. I think it's just critical for people in the trenches, as well as professionals to hear from family members that are actually, you know, on this path and dealing 24 seven with dementia. So thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. Well, thank you. <laughs> now, I always ask everybody to share a little bit more of their story in your intro. I mentioned, you know, that your husband has FTD with the behavioral variant. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit on when he was diagnosed and maybe some early symptoms that you saw? Or maybe he noticed it first, you know, every, everybody notices it different. So if Jim noticed it, he never told me. Mm -hmm. So um, I just began to see probably back into the early 2000s that there were some change, maybe mid. Yeah, probably mid six, seven around in there because I noticed that there seemed to be a shift in his uh, expression of emotion. And I would question and he would say, I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, so I did not realize what was going on, but I was in the relationship. I was committed. You know, I just took the day at a time. And then 
1617, I believe, when the VA Veterans Administration realized that we have an opioid epidemic on our hands. And uh, so they stopped prescribing. He, was, he has been on opioids, not the hardcore, uh, for ever since he had a back injury. And so that, um, even though he was not demonstrating addictive behavior, chemically his brain was used to that. And so that was removed and I saw a completely different gym. I mean, it was horrifying at times. And then I was studying frontotemporal dementia because of the work that I'm involved in with seniors. And I realized that this is what he's presenting in behavior. And so talking to my own personal provider and referred, he suggested that I bring all of Jim's medical needs to the fort here in our community. And uh, from there, I pursued uh, assessments. And so psych with a psychologist and a neuropsychologist, as well as uh, a neurologist, uh, they determined he was presenting BV, frontotemporal dementia, and definitely uh, serious uh, cognitive disorder. But since then, so that was in 19. Since then, I have um, seen varying uh, presentations that doesn't just sit with frontotemporal dementia. And um, at this point, I have not pursued any more because any more testings or any more evaluations because I know what I'm dealing with because of what we present. Uh, and my I, I've learned through, as you know, uh, through my mentoring with Tifa Snow and what she trains people in to uh, live in the moment with what remains. And so thankfully he's still functional but the executive uh, part of his brain, the frontal part, is not functioning as it used to. And so he, and when he's a different person, but in the same, he is the man I married, but he doesn't present himself that way. So can you tell people what the difference is between frontal temporal lobe dementia and the, the behavioral variant? I don't know that if I'd have all of the scientific definition, there are three different variants mm -hmm. of frontotemporal. He, his behavior changed, his personality changed. And, uh, and that was, um, uh, he was spending money, you know, it, it, there's just various things. I did recently learn from Dr. Tammy Cummings, um, a gerontologist out of Texas, that there is a frontal variant, uh, frontotemporal dementia, which I was not familiar with. And this is the puzzling thing with FTD. They, um, it's rare that the brain is showing anything anatomically. 
And so the imaging, he has done MRIs and PET scan. Um, they do not show other than uh, white matter and slight shrinkage of the frontal lobe. So um, <clears throat> basically with FTD, there's uh, the executive, as I've already stated, um, making right decisions. So, you know, it's, uh, I think I've told you before, it's finding the straight path in the crazy zigzag journey that anyone experiencing or uh, helping someone who is living with that brain change. It, it's a minute to minute, day by day, everything changes. But yet at the same time, there's a baseline and when you've met one person with dementia, you've only met one person because we all are individually made. So um, with um, then the language, which is your temporal, temporal load, it's not so much being able to talk, it's being, it's having the knowledge of what do I wanna say and how do I say it? What words do I choose? And um, I give Jim a lot of pauses. I learned that early on, not knowing what was going on, never to expect a quick answer to a question asked. And many times of late, I don't even get an answer. So you have to give them time to bring their thoughts together and process what you're asking. And then hopefully they'll formulate something and be able to express it verbally. I don't know if that answers your question, Laurie. It's, I don't feel adequate to expound on the detailed scientific differences. No, and that's fine. I'm not a medical professional either. Yeah. I just think it's interesting for our audience to hear what people have learned on their journey. So, you know, the executive function, the, the language, or sometimes it's called aphasia, mm -hmm. um, where people's words get jumbled up and... Um, it's kind of interesting, though, when someone has aphasia, how much we can actually understand. It's kind of like reading a paragraph that's all mismatched and you can still right. understand when you focus on it. And um, but it can be it can really catch people off guard initially, you know, with that. And then, like you said, the personality changes in terms of how they how they yeah. dealt uh, with things in the past. With that, I focus very much on I want him to be comfortable mm -hmm. and not to panic that can display itself in varying emotions, mm -hmm. either removing himself or speaking harshly. I want him to be um, as, as content as much as possible so that he feels that he's okay. He's accepted, not to give him a false presentation of, you know, you're all right, there's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And it's not really wrong with him, his, his brain is changing. And so you adjust yourself, you know, I'm the one that has to change too. <laughs> well, and I think that that's a beautiful goal to have to, you know, so often we're in this right or wrong, right. no, I'm going to correct you until you get this right. And boy, yeah. that does not work, does it? No, I don't argue with him. I don't. His, what he, you know, I just flow with it. And um, I have learned how, you know, a man woos a woman. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing with Jim. 
If there's an end goal that needs to be met, I will work with him gradually, not like you would if, with a student, but it took a week for me to just present. This is what I really want to do. It was our anniversary week. And I said, Jim, this is what I want to do. He kept giving me different reasons why he didn't want to do that. And we weren't doing it. But the morning of, he said, okay, let's go. I said, go where? Let's go down to Tangles Lake. And it was the most beautiful 12-hour window that he gave me that day with family. And we were all out in nature. And it was just beautiful. But I wooed him into that. I didn't push him. I didn't pressure him. I've, you, I've had to accept and flow and just let life happen mm -hmm. as it will. because. My home is my haven, so I want peace there, and I want him to go through the day and feel good about himself as much as possible. Like I said, he doesn't talk about it, but um, I will. This is very personal, but yesterday I just uh, felt the need to go in, and I knelt down in front of him, and I told him, I said, you know, Jim, I said, um, I still love you as I did when I said I do, but I said, I love you more passionately and more deeply today. I said, I've never stopped loving you. And he did not say anything, but his eyes said it all. They just, I, there was such an expression and a softening there that I knew I had communicated something deeply that he needed to know. And that is, she's here. And I said, I asked him a question, something about um, maybe, yeah, do you know I love you or something like that? And he said, because you take care of me. Mm -hmm. Now that sometimes I've, I sense a little childlikeness in his comments, mm -hmm. but the, when when spouses experiences together, the relationship definitely changes. Mm -hmm. And, but I want to maintain that relationship that I committed to. It's taking on different phases and a different expression. And that's not, I'm not trying to paint. That's all. Oh, that's just great. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I miss that with my husband. I miss that, uh, that constant, um, what a, what we all want to know, I'm loved, I'm cherished, I'm, you know, he gets it 24-7. I have to keep my cup full so mm -hmm. that I can help him keep his full so the relationship does not disintegrate. So if speaking I'm, of keeping your cup full, how do you do that? Do you do that through <laughs> like support groups and uh, yes. friendships? And I have friends. I have very committed friends and have for... 30, 40 years, some of them. Mm -hmm. Family, my daughter's the only one who's in our physical proximity. The rest are in the lower 48. And, uh, but I get support whenever I talk. They just listen to me, you know, or they'll ask me how he's doing. I um, definitely Tipa Snow and another support in relationship to Tipa. I am going to be, she's coming to Alaska. So the end of the month, I'm going through the consultant certification course, which I'm very excited about. 
And so from that perspective with her team, I definitely have, I have solid support. Personally, I am a Christian. And so I have found that the spirit of the Lord has guided me many times when I didn't have the black and white on paper or the studies, you know, that are done. I found that I would do something and felt inclined to approach something a certain way and then to have it confirmed through either the medical field or science. Mm -hmm. And um, that has been an extreme blessing to me to know that um, in in many moments I've made the right decision or the right response. And so of late, I love taking photos of mushrooms (laughs) and it's, um, one time of year, there are no mosquitoes <laughs> and we don't have chiggers and snakes and a lot of insects here. So foraging through the woods, I don't eat the mushrooms. I just photograph them. I find that extremely therapeutic. And then in the wintertime, I do a lot of puzzles. Okay. Just well, to. Well, that's wonderful. I, I think having those hobbies and finding that peacefulness is, is really important. Yeah. And I love that you took the time to, you know, follow that kind of push to go tell your husband how much you loved him, you know, and I can see that that was really emotional for both of you in that and looking at those multi-sensory cues that they give us, like you said, he, he didn't speak any words, but you saw his response in his eyes. And so often I think people overlook those moments or they won't like, I will, why would I go tell him he's not going to understand anyways? I mean, that's a a lot of what people do, but it is really, really important. And I think that when you're on this caring journey, anyways, I found, and I tell me if you have, but I found that there's different levels of unconditional love. I didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Very true. I've sometimes, you know, when you're walking, well, just living with someone going through you, you wonder, am I doing enough? Mm-hmm. And you have to constantly keep any kind of guilt from taking residence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and when I think about all that I do, and so I was struggling one day, do I, you know, do I really love him, you know, and the way I really need to. And I was very quick. The thought came to me, what you do is an expression. Your commitment is that love. And it's not always feelings, but, you know, many times I make the moments with Jim. I create the moments. If I need a hug, I go get one. If I need closeness, I'll just say, okay, come over and sit on the couch with me, Mm -hmm. you know, and it might take him three, four, five minutes to get up and come over, but (laughs) it's, you have to create it and it doesn't always happen. Although that Saturday morning, let's go. He created it. Sweet. And, and uh, I like for him to feel some autonomy mm-hmm. in the relationship like a man would normally do, you know? Yep. And I like him to feel that. Well, that's good. Now, do you have a lot of people, you know, wonder about support groups and things? Do you have any recommendations for people on how to even pick one? Where do you find them? <laughs> Uh, social media, what we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
I, with Alzheimer's Resource Alaska, I have in the past uh, been in some of their support groups, but I find that growth is an onion skinned experience. And I'm always finding an onion skin being peeled back or you know, deeper dealings or whatever. And I'm finding that some of the support groups that I have been involved in are not meeting the need that I have today because I've grown beyond that. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that that's not valuable because all support groups, I believe, are valuable as long as they focus on what remains. Mm -hmm. Some, as I've heard you even express, you have found all they want to do is talk about the problem mm -hmm. and how he's behaving or how she's acting or, you know, and that I don't have time for that. That's drama. My life presents enough drama that I don't need to surround myself with it. And so there's one group that I did join and that's FTD out of Australia, which I now um, am the admin for that because the woman who started, she started it, she's a psychologist. Her mother passed on and she was going into another phase of her career. And so she needed someone. So I picked up that. That group is tremendous. And that's on, they can find that on Facebook? It's on Facebook, FTD, Frontotemporal Temporal Dementia, Australia and beyond. Mm -hmm. is that. And I, I am with others. And uh, I think it's uh, DAA, right? Dementia. Mm -hmm. Dementia Action Alliance. Dementia Alliance and uh, Wally Cox, whom you have, mm -hmm. uh, were personal friends on Facebook then. And Kristen... Oh, goodness, I got her book. Christine Felker. Yes, and That's others. Canada. You know, yep. uh, they're, they're very positive, and they, they show the positive in their experience. And I wish my husband was someone, you know, who uh, would talk about it. Because that, if you have a spouse or a loved one who will talk about what they're going through, it makes it so much more uh it makes it less stressful yeah because you're doing it together whereas i feel i'm i'm everything in the relationship to make sure it functions yeah and oh. so you're living the life of two people so to speak yeah i'm going to put in a plug for um dementia chats which is a conversation i facilitate oh, yeah. with a you know people have a variety of different dementias but FTD, Lewy body vascular, Alzheimer's, um, all kinds of different um, dementias are there, but those are full of, you know, they're, they're just a video, but you can watch and we have a variety of topics and they're really helpful for a person who is newly diagnosed as well as family and professionals that care for them because you're hearing from them. Mm -hmm. um, what works and what doesn't what about, I, 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 I just want to say Laurie I do listen to them mm -hmm. and it's what I find helps me a lot yeah there's the scientific there's the study side there's the medical side of everything but when I um, being a very people person myself hearing from someone who is experiencing it or someone who's walking with their loved one through it mm -hmm. That I get more from that because that lets me know, okay, why does that resonate so deeply with me? It's because you are experiencing it, Deborah, yeah. and you're not 
you're not creating something that's not real, you know, and it, that helps me tremendously. I just, I wish my husband, you know, he's, he's always been a mechanic, but he's not sharp in the mechanics anymore. And I find he's constantly working on things rather than working on it. And now it works. No, he's out for a ride on the lawnmower and he's back in the garage working on it, you know, again, and he's not into games. He's not into art. He's not into music. He's, you know, and so there's not all of these things that can be supports mm-hmm. and engaging with them doesn't work with him. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be very creative and just give him his space and let him do what he wants to do in the moment and support that. Yep. Oh, and I hear a lot of wives say that, oh gosh, they're, they're tinkering, but they're tinkering. Now it's broke. It wasn't before, you know. Well, they, at least he stays busy, but it might mm-hmm. not be the most productive or the most successful, but he's staying busy Yeah. In, in that regard. And so I think a lot of times people who are caring for people, they, they get guilty having those thoughts like, mm-hmm. stop stop it, you know, but yet there's this other side of keep going because you're engaged, you're feeling purposeful. And how do you deal with with guilt? Does that does that hit you at times too? I I don't let it. Mm-hmm. The thought will come. Um, I'll feel like I'm not doing something that I should be doing. But I don't, I don't want to give the impression that I'm five star in all of this, but I know in my heart what the truth is. And I don't fight the guilt. The thought will come and I might have that sensation, but I know what's true and what's real. And I'm able to walk out of that very quickly. And I know there are some people that can't. And Maybe what I'm saying is not helping them. It's like, well, she's got it all together, you know? Now, there are times I do miss it, and I will sometimes say something. But when I know I have missed it with him, I will go and apologize. Mm -hmm. Because we know um, it's how we make them feel that is more important than what we say sometimes. And um, I guard both myself and him because I want to remain healthy. And if I don't remain healthy, I'm not worth anything to him, emotionally, mentally, physically. And again, I think that's where, you know, being in these support groups and talking with these individuals Mm -hmm. that understand it or live with it can help you move through that stuff easier because you can, you know, I think when you're caregiving for, for anyone, when you're that care partner, you can question your reality of, am I making this up? Cause they're telling me this yeah, never yeah. happened. And you start. No, going, I, <laughs> I've done that a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I've had very strong impression from some mm-hmm. that you're the problem. There's yep. nothing wrong with them because they present themselves with mm-hmm. people outside um, your little orb of life yep. as if, because it was recently described that with Alzheimer's, they remember the who, what, they forget the who, what, when, where, why, how. Mm-hmm. But on the emotional side, they're there pretty much. Mm-hmm. They'll still engage with you. But with frontotemporal, um, it's the who, what, when, where, why, why, and how that remains. But on the emotional side, 
it's flatlined. Mm -hmm. Even anger, the negative is flatlined and even the positive, the romance, the affection. But what I do struggle with is how can he talk harshly to me, like I'm being nosy or whatever, you know, or yes, dear, you know, I'll get that phrase a lot. And, uh, but then the dog shows up and it's just full blown up outward expression, loving on the dog. I'm like, what is the difference here? Other than the dog doesn't talk. (laughs) The dog is just there. He receives and he gives. Yeah, you know, I, I that I can only say that that's got to be it. There's no challenge there, you know. And I, it sometimes used to bother me that I could possibly be a constant reminder mm-hmm. of there's nothing wrong with Deborah, but there's definitely something wrong with me. And so mm-hmm. that is a constant reminder that tips the scale all the time. And so. I try to guard, I can't control everything, but I do work diligently to make sure he knows that I am there for whatever his need is, depending, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, I'm there. And I want to. And even when they can't express, you know, those emotions, you know, outright the way they used to, they can take all of ours in. So even if we're trying to hide them, Definitely. You don't mind them. They know. Yep. They're reading it all. They're reading But we do that already. Even if we are cognitively functioning, we discern, we can walk Mm -hmm. into the room and we can feel, okay, you might sense, well, I'm not welcome here or what's going on. We discern on the spiritual level. We might not know how to verbalize it, but we pick up on that, you know, what is it? 75% of our communication is nonverbal. Yeah. But I you think, know? I think there's been that stigma that once somebody has dementia, they're just not capable of that. Yeah. Stuff, you know? <laughs> and I think it's all unconscious too, for the most part. And so, yeah. you know, it, it, we don't really think about it. What about you? How has FTD affected you in your life and, you know, just your, your soul as a person? as an individual? I, it produces change in you if you let it, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, for myself, um, by nature, I'm very organized. I am analytical in my thinking. And I've found that on the, in the onset of it all, I accepted it and I didn't fight. Now, apply this to circumstances in your life. You cannot change things that are out of your control to change. But I can change inside here how I respond to it and how Mm -hmm. I uh, live. And so I accepted it. And then um, I abandoned myself to it. And I found having been a very analytical uh, planner, (laughs) organized to abandon myself is such a freedom Mm -hmm. and you're like why didn't I live in this (laughs) this country before (laughs) why did I not it I find it very uh freeing 
It's like going out in a field of flowers and just twirling and dancing. It's that kind of freedom that lifts the stress off of you and not fight it even inside the, because, you know, Tipa will say, you know, their brain is changing, but who's going to change here? You know, we have to change in how we work with them. I don't even like saying it like that because they're not a piece of equipment. You know, they're a living body, an organ, a live organism that has a, a spirit and a soul and a will and emotions. And so. And you're in a relationship, you know. Exactly. (laughs) And so um, the ambiguous loss was a big one for me. And I found out that I was living there. And Mm -hmm. I realized I had to let go of even that. That's a reality. Yes, I live with it every day, but I don't live in it. Yeah. Where it it, uh, changes my perspective. You just have to change your glasses that you're wearing. You know, and that doesn't come easy for some people. And I understand that. Hence the need for support, tremendous support. And it's very sad when you find out that people don't. And one thing I do tell people when they ask, well, what can I do? I I say, educate yourself. You have got to educate yourself in the dementias so that you will understand the dementias. And it's not so that you just gain knowledge, but it helps you to... Um, not fight what you're presented with daily, but mm-hmm. you understand it. Yep. And being well, understood as a human being, that's as, that's as much of a need as being loved. Well, and we all want that, you know, yes, so their needs aren't any different, but yet we've been told that they're very different. But I think when you focus on the commonalities Um, what we all need as human beings and what we want out of our relationships and what we want, you know, we want to feel purposeful. We want to feel accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, When we get out of that analytical organized mode, which can be a task for a lot of people because they're a taskmaster. It can be a very driving task. And they just want to check that off. I mean, I was one of those, you know, and I viewed myself as organized. My brother's review, um, looked at me like a control freak, you know, and those are two mm-hmm. different real levels there. Um, but perceptions of that, or people who will say, I'm not going to lie to them. They got it wrong. I'm going to tell them, you know, we've never mm-hmm. lied to one another, but they're forgetting about, you know, kind of your first rule of, I want to be there. So he's comfortable. Yeah. You know, and that's huge. Cause when they're comfortable, you can be comfortable yeah. instead of spinning in this drama which is, is really, really important. What do you think is the, the most sub, supportive way, you know, how do I want to say this? Um, what do you feel is needed most to support families? I'll put it that way, that are dealing with FTD. <laughs> From what perspective, the medical field? <laughs> no, just, just your, your perspective, you know? Uh-huh. Uh... Okay, repeat the question again, Saida, is the support, what do I feel? What do you feel is needed the most to support families dealing with FTD? Wow. I mean, seriously, education comes to the first, but that's not really a support. But if you understand it, Mm -hmm. that is a support. If it's like, uh, 
children, when you have children, if you understand the nature of a child, mm-hmm. and I know it, two-year-olds have been labeled as the terrible twos, and I don't like that phrase because what it is, it's an age of exploration. Mm-hmm. And so if you understand that children, they're, they're wanting to know what are my boundaries. And so instead of uh, focusing on the inconvenience of your having to be a parent and having to deal with this child that's wanting, you know, he wants to touch everything, wants to get in everything. He wants mm-hmm. to challenge what he's feeling and thinking with you instead of taking that and getting up underneath and supporting mm-hmm. that. So, uh, you know, the all I can say is what has the feedback I've gotten from people who uh, have talked with me about their loved one that has dementia. I first say education, Mm -hmm. Uh, be their advocate, strongly be their advocate. Don't just take something that a doctor or somebody says and say, okay, that's the way it is. So, you know, you know, they're going to die. They've got, they're losing their brain, you know, they're losing their mind, you know, don't, don't take that, you know, Uh, be your own advocate as well as being theirs and um, telling people that just standing there and listening and understanding and saying that you understand, I know exactly what you're feeling or what you're going through. They have given me the feedback Mm -hmm. that I didn't realize I was helping them. You hope you are, but saying those things the feedback is, well, this really touched me. <laughs> and I don't know if these people wind up listening to this, but I uh, was at our fair and I was there for the Aging and Disability Resource Center. And a, a family had come up and they were talking and um, to help them with what they were dealing. I wanted them to know, okay, I said, well, my husband has dementia. Mm-hmm. And that then takes all the it takes down a barrier and helps them to open up and listen to okay, this person might know what she's really talking about. You know, it's not just a bunch of head stuff. And, um, and so I just spent time talking to them and pretty much some of the stuff that I've already said. And she told me later, this woman, she stopped by the office and she said, my husband said, it's very touching because I've never been given such a compliment and I don't look at it as something I take to myself, but it was an answer to my Christ, my heart's cry that I'd be a help. Mm-hmm. And he said, she's the kind of wife, talk, referring to me, she's the kind of wife that I know you are. Mm-hmm. And if this ever happened to me, you're going to be just like her and you're going to stick with me and be there for me. And I thought, what greater compliment could a woman get from a man in that respect, you know? And that's not kudos on me, but, you know, those little touches come because I don't have my husband talking to me like Mm -hmm. that, but they have come unexpectedly through people I don't even know. And I've always been... That's a great support when that happens, you know. Um, so it really lifts you up and, and says you're doing things right because we all question ourselves at times, and it's you're it also says you're really walking your talk. And well, that's what I want. 
<laughs> and that it's noticeable. And I, I mean, that's kind of why I started Alzheimer's Speaks mm-hmm. was just, I wanted to hear from people living it who actually understand. I mean, you can, you can give me all the the medical model research, whoop-de-doo, and, and not to discredit that, but I need, how am I, how do I survive? How do I yeah. live graciously? How do I support them? How do I not lose my sanity? Um, I, I need to be shown that it's possible. And yeah. when, when we're raising these voices of, of people like yourself and so many others that Again, and, and we have people with research and all that stuff on here too. I think we need all those pieces. Yeah, but I we think do. families primarily need real speak. <laughs> you know, they need they need reality talk. They need to understand that it what works for me might not work for you, but here's an idea to give them permission to explore maybe trying other things or trying it more than once because. It just didn't work in that moment or in that environment, you know, um, in that delivery style or who the person, you know, was. I mean, there's so many different variables with this. And um, to me, those are the life changing things that allow families and people who are caring for a loved one to take a breath and go, they're getting through this. I will, too. You know, yeah. we're, we're going to do this together. I'm going to look at this in a different light. And, and I, you know, I have a saying that, you know, what's good for dementia is good for all of the world. That's when, true. I, I know I've heard you say that a lot. And that is very true because it's, I feel like I'm more of a healthy person. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not so black and white anymore. And like, when you said you let go of that control and you're like, why wasn't I in this lane before? You know, where's this country been? Because we've been told everything is right or wrong. And it's yeah. not. And the the it's detours not. allow us to learn and look at life in a different light. Um, it allows us to prioritize what's really important to us. And it allows us to have deeper relationships and become more spiritually connected. And, you know, if you want to look at that on a religious basis or not, I mean, I, I always loved my mom and I didn't really think that I could love her anymore, but mm-hmm. the more her disease progressed, the more unconditional love stages we went through. And I mean, it was like a religion in and of itself, how well I could read her and her me. Well, and, we're loving with the whole, with the whole person to a whole person. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's, it's anyway. <laughs> what are some of your favorite supports that you found um, for just being a, a care partner in yourself? You had mentioned TIPA and a couple of groups. Are there, are there other modalities that you've found that have been helpful for well, you? I, quite on, Laurie, you've been a tremendous because I love it's not just a black and white interview with you. It's a conversation mm-hmm. because one, you've lived it and the exposure you've gotten to people from across the globe um, enhances. And it's not just an inspiration, but it's like you're giving another rung to the ladder. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where dementia chats, I think is excellent because you're, you're hearing people who are experiencing it, not just uh, a care partner 
to someone yep. who is experiencing the change. That to me is, and that's, I draw a lot of strength from that. Um, gosh, I have to say, you know, and I understand the world that we live in today, the, my relationship uh, spiritually with the Lord is my mainstay. But also the things that I've learned, and I've mentioned Tipa now for the third time, I found one day this was just, I, I didn't even consciously think about it, but Jim having had a back injury and the, it, it, and being on opioids, it heightens the sensitivity of the nerves full body. Whereas just touching them, they can go like this, you know, they can jump. And I used to think, oh, my goodness, what is wrong with you? <laughs> You're supposed to be a man, you know. Uh, but then I realized it, uh, it sensitizes the nerves. It doesn't numb them. And one day, and he never liked his back touch, but one day I went up to him and I didn't do it with my fingers. It was unconscious. And mm -hmm. I just rubbed his back like this. Mm -hmm. And he did not flinch, which only confirmed to me the support through the trainings that Tipa does was very true. I was just listening to her a little bit. This is the most sensitive part of the human body and it's comforting and it will lower your cortisol level, she was saying. And touching him with that, I felt it, of course, but. Touching yourself with your fingers is a little bit more direct, whereas when you do it like this, it's more comprehensive and encompassing, and it was comforting to him. And so I'd have to say the things that I have learned by listening and applying it and making it my own and just having a listening ear because God did make us. I know some people might question that, but I believe that he created me and he created us to be um, there for others. And that has been a very mainstay and strength. And then to have that confirmation through others, mm -hmm. no matter what. Thing. You know, I was just sharing with my provider what I was going through. He asked me, are you, how are you under stress? And I laugh when people <laughs> go ask me, you know, I had a dietician ask me that, well, you're experiencing any stress right now. And I burst out laughing, you know, and you uh, my file. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've, I think I am learning how to, we have to have stress to live healthily anyway. Mm -hmm. It's how we respond to it. And if we let it control and we don't know how to um, process those stresses that come at us. Um, mm -hmm. And that takes a learning. Uh, that's not something you learn overnight. That's experience uh, that teaches you that. And I'm thankful, but I've noticed of late that um, I have felt less stressed. Mm -hmm. I recently was in a conference back in June and they were teaching on resiliency and the woman, I don't know the source of the study, but it was a study on stress. And so she had this long list of things that we had to go through and check. And then you counted up the points. 
150 and below was normal. I was 151 mm-hmm. and I was shocked because I thought for sure, okay, I'm going to be off the charts. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt, but that wasn't the reality when I started checking things off. And mm-hmm. uh, that opened up a whole nother discussion for her because I, I, I shared what I was experiencing and she, she expounded on that because it demonstrated what she was trying to share with all of us. And you can learn how to deal with the stress that we're going through. It, like I said, it, it's not something that's quick. And again, I probably sound like, oh man, she's got it all together. No, I don't. It's, because a, it's I, a process. It's we have our good days and our bad days, just like everybody else. The onion skin, that's how I title what I go through is an onion skin experience Mm -hmm. because there's different, there's, we all have peeled an onion and we know the layers. Yep. We know it can stink and make us cry. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think of it from that perspective. (laughs) Oh, but we always get through it. Um, One thing I I wanted to ask you in wrapping up was, are there any like life-saving or relationship-saving techniques that you've learned on your journey that you want to share with our audience? Not to be selfish, mm-hmm. if that's applicable. Because mm-hmm. when I have a need, instead of sitting back and saying, why doesn't he, why doesn't he, why won't he, how come he doesn't mm-hmm. do this, how come he doesn't do that, I create it. hmm I go just like a child would come up to you and knee height and raise their arms and want to be picked up and hugged. Mm-hmm. And you're hungry. They say, I'm hungry, mommy. Can I have something? You know, mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, this propriety that we are taught by society is not mm-hmm. reality. And to be childlike in that respect to, open yourself up to vulnerability. That's another thing that I have learned is being vulnerable and taking back risk. There's a Mm -hmm. risk in loving, you know, you're going to experience pain to the depth that you love. And um, so uh, that's where Pauline boss, you know, Mm -hmm. she's been a tremendous help listening to the interviews and the conversations that you've had with her as well as my own personal with her books, etc. But um, and with her, she's she's the one for our audience. In case you don't know, she's written books on um, ambiguous loss, which is kind of this constant grieving of loss of little things here and little things there that change in your life. Right. Um, and she's amazing. And Duet um, has a series yes. with her that is free. Is right. I've listened to that. that. I'm also on their Facebook page as well. Do mm-hmm. There's so many, I, they don't all come to mind. <laughs> I know there, there's a lot more help out there than people know. And that's kind yeah. of why we pulled dementia map together was to try to help pull some of that information together. And, you know, we've just hit the tip of the iceberg. There's so much out there and there's so much there is. developing and if you know of, of a service, a product or a tool or a book or a person that needs to be on there, you know, pass that along to them, you know, um, because there's got to be an easier way for all of us to access this information because there really, really is a ton out there. 
Um, but it gets it gets wearing looking for it, trying to Google for it because you don't even know what you're Googling for half the time because right. you don't know what exists. I've happened on a lot of what I have that I gleaned from. Mm-hmm. I just needed training material with some volunteers and I happened upon Tipa Snow and it was perfect. Mm-hmm. But I and I know you've heard this before, but uh, Lori, you are very instrumental in doing what you just said. Well, thank you. You know, you, um, I, I definitely have a heartfelt appreciation for the the ministry that you now have globally through mm-hmm. the internet, you know, in a cyber world, <laughs> uh, which has its advantages. It's a love hate relationship for sure, just like our cell phones, but. Um, You've been part of that, getting the word out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I so appreciate you taking the time with us today. I can't believe our hour has blown by. It just always goes so quickly. So um, people can, you know, pick up the phone and call you at 907-987-2976. Or you can email Deborah at akbumblebee at hotmail.com and that's her personal email that's personal yes and then you can reach her at the adrc at delta dot adrc north at acs alaska.net correct and we also have your your email or your uh, mailing address as well as Deborah Snyder at P.O. Box 1188, Delta Junction, Alaska, 99737. Thank you. Thank you. And in wrapping up, again, as always, you know, I encourage people to like, click, and share these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, make it easier for the next person to find this information. And it takes seconds to do those types of things. And feel yeah. free to subscribe to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. Uh, we have both the the um, audio and the video type style interviews, and uh, you can find more information just by going to alzheimerspeaks.com on that. So again, thank you so much for all you're doing and being willing to share your personal experience. I know sometimes that's not so easy to do, but you did a beautiful job and we really appreciate it. So thank thank you. you. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Bye now. Bye.